Thank you, Randy. Thank you, guys. Joe's uh, taking a little bit of vacation time, and we're glad that he can get away to be with family. So I have a question for you. You all ready? Sure. Are you all ready? Yes. What if I told you that this afternoon, promptly at 2 o'clock, every single one of you was going to have a personal time with God, and you could ask God anything that you need or want in your life. Now, this is not a rhetorical question, meaning that I'm just, uh, you know, hoping that you'll think about it. I, I really want you to think about that. Those watching at home, I hope that you really think about that. Uh, think about it with me. Well, what is the one thing, if you could sit there, if you knew that uh, you had a personal audience with God at 2 o'clock this afternoon, just you and God, what would you ask God for? I want you to hold on to that. Hold on to that as I talk to you today about the power of prayer that can literally change our lives. It happened in the life of the disciples. One of my favorite passages of Scripture, if you ever ask me to just list my top ten scriptures, uh, this one is going to be in it. And it comes from the Gospel according to Luke, the 11th chapter, verse 1. And it simply begins like this. And Jesus was uh, praying in a certain place, and, and when he had finished praying, one of the disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. And then if you read a little bit further into this text, what you'll find is uh, the Lord's Prayer. Lord, teach us to pray. Why? Why did, the, why did this disciple ask, uh, ask you to say, teach us to pray? You know, they, they had seen Jesus do a lot of different things. They had seen Jesus preach. So why didn't they say, Lord, teach us how to preach? They, they had seen Jesus uh, perform a, a lot of miracles. Lord, teach us how to perform miracles. They had seen uh, Jesus uh, 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 really uh, raise up the sick, raise up the dead. Why, why didn't they say, oh, Lord, teach us how to raise up the dead and teach us how to heal the sick? Why did this disciple say, Lord, teach us how to pray? And the answer, I believe, is because uh, in that time period that they were with Jesus, they would have been with Jesus now for about a year and a half prior to this moment in time. In his three years of ministry, we believe, that they really believe uh, that there was a need for them to learn how to pray. Because what they noticed is that every time that Jesus went away to pray, every time that Jesus separated himself from all of the things and all, all of the events that he was re, uh, working on, that every time he came back from prayer, that he was empowered, that he was filled with hope, that he was filled uh, with this energy uh, that was so compassionate, so, so contagious. And they said, that's what it took, prayer, for everything else to take place. It took prayer in order for him to heal the sick and to raise the dead and to preach. So I, I want you to know that everything else that I talk about and teach about 
is significant, but there's nothing more significant than the message that I'm going to be sharing with you today because I believe that in this very moment that you can capture the essence of the power of God for your life and that with this power of God that you'll be able to live life victoriously even though there will be those moments of despair and hopelessness, but you will be able to live victoriously because you have the power of prayer and the power of the presence of God living inside of you. But I have to tell you something. And I tell you something from my own personal experience, and I tell it because I've, ex- I've noticed it in you, because this is how we deal with prayer in our lives. You might want to write these four things down. I've left four places at the beginning of your teaching notes. Uh, for those of you who are guests uh, or watching online, uh, you can find them online or you can find them in your program. So just write down these four different thoughts. This is the way most of us uh, think about prayer in our lives today. Uh, we, we think about prayer uh, like a magic wand. And if I could give you this, this image, if I can give you this image of Jesus, and you just uh, hold, you want to hold Jesus next to all of the problems and all of the opportunities that you have in your world. And if you just get Jesus close to that and wave Jesus over your problems and you think that life is going to get better. Now, I know that nobody in this room has ever done that. It's only the 8 o'clock and the 11 o'clock people that do that. Right? Yeah, you guys... You're in church. But that's the way we, many of us treat prayer. If I can get Jesus, just wave Jesus over it and not get too close, but just close enough. Here's, here's the second one. Uh, I think that the second way that many of us pray is, is that we... Ah, it's like a fire extinguisher. And again, I know that this is 8 o'clock and 11 o'clock people, not you. Uh, but there are, there are times in our lives where we have fires brewing. W- would you agree with me? Has anybody ever experienced a fire in your life? Yeah. Um, and, and these fires are just out of control. And so we think if we can just spray a little bit of Jesus on it, not too much, but just enough Jesus, just spray Jesus on it, uh, that we will, it will be okay. And so we do that for a short period of time, but there's nothing long-lasting. Or, or the third one that I think about, uh, this, is my, this is mine, uh, I confess to you. Uh, I, 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 I pray sometimes uh, like I'm in a tug-of-war with God. And that uh, God has uh, one end of the rope, I've got the other end of the rope, and I'm praying that God will just see things the way I see them, and if God sees them the way I see them, then God will come and just bless me with what I know is right. Uh, I'm not alone, right? And, And so this tug of war is just, I'm trying to convince God that uh, I know the best way for my future. Yeah. Here's a fourth. Uh, the, the fourth way is that it's like a religious duty. I memorize phrases. I memorize passages of Scripture. And periodically, I will, I will say them in order for me to sound pious and righteous, uh, but that's as far as it gets. 
Now, you all understand that as your pastor, I do all these things, right? Because I know that some of you have a hard time understanding uh, that Robert and Joe and I um, are just like everybody else. And man, we're screw-ups. And we try all these types of prayers. But I want to share with you today, I want to share with you three purposes of prayer that if we will just be able to grasp this, if we'll be able to just hold it in, in, our, in, in our hearts and our minds and our souls, not just for a, a, a moment, but also but for our longevity, that there's power in this kind of prayer. So let's move away from the magic wand and let's move away from the tug of war and let's move to something that is significant that can move us forward. Are you ready? So here's the first one that I've been thinking about. That prayer is an act of dedication. In fact, I want to give you three D words. Maybe you just want to say D to the third power. Prayer is an act of dedication. Prayer is an act of devotion. Prayer is an act of dependence. And, and what we need uh, to understand is that, that we need to be able to figure out how is it that we can dedicate our lives to God every single morning when we awaken in the morning, when we open our eyes and we, and we see the glory of the day, no matter what the day looks like uh, that, that you're going to be facing, no matter what your calendar says, no matter what heartache somebody else is trying to plant in your life, uh, that God is there and that God wants to be present with you in such a profound way a fourth P, a a profound way uh, that you can have a life that is worth living and exciting and and, and filled with with anticipation of what the day holds because you know, you know that you're not out there by yourself. And the reality is that many of us wake up in the morning and what we do when we wake up in the morning is that we think that we are in charge, that we're in control. I know what my calendar says. I know what the day looks like. I know, I know, I know, and I know nothing if I'm trying to do it without God. If I'm trying to do it without my dependence on God, without, if I'm trying to live my life with, without a real sense of devotion to God, without my understanding that I need to have this fully devoted a sense of following God's purpose for my life. Look at this passage of Scripture. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone doesn't remain in me, he's like a branch that throws away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. Now listen, listen carefully. But if you remain in me and my word remains in you, get that again. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you can ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. If you remain in me and my word remains in you. So, um... A few weeks ago, I was watching television, and I was watching a documentary on, televi- uh, on the television. Actually, I think it was a YouTube, uh, uh, and it was about a, um, a, a, a um, uh, I can't think of the name of the company. It was a company that goes out and does uh, searches in the o- ocean of, for treasures. And, and they had found a, a, an old, old uh, sailing vessel 
uh, and uh, they had gone down and they had found uh, small pieces of gold. And so they were really excited about uh, what else might be down there. And so they, they brought, up a, a, brought a large ship out there. They anchored it over uh, this, uh, this area that they think they found something of significance. And they had several of these diving bells uh, that, they were, that they were using. And they were going down, uh, not this one in particular, but they were going down 800 feet in some places in order to find the treasure. And they were finding significant uh, gold in that place. And if you look at this, uh, this diving bell, though, you'll notice that there are two primary lines. The first primary line is the one uh, right over the middle of it, and that is the line that tethers this uh, diving bell to uh, the ship. And it's made, the, the line is made of, of, of this um, steel cable. The other lines uh, there are, are uh, oxygen lines. And these oxygen lines are there in order to provide the, the oxygen that these divers need in order to do their work. And as I was sitting there watching television, I, and I was thinking actually about the sermon, and I'm thinking, how often do I think of my relationship with God, my dependence on God, uh, my devotion with God, uh, my dedication with God? How is it that I, that I see this image as that which connects me to the power of the living God in my life? Do I feel do I realize that God has a desire to place, that God has a desire to place God's hand on my shoulder, to place God's presence in my life, to give me guidance and leadership? Or is it that, that what I really do in life is that I realize what God wants me to do, but I'm over here trying to live my life in some other way? Y'all, y'all know what I mean? I guess not. And so I, I, I first ask, am I dedicated? Am I, is, is there a dependence on God? Am I, do I want to be connected with God? Do, will I make the choice to do that? And the second is, do I want that oxygen? Do I want that word of God, which is the oxygen, when, when I'm in the presence of God, do I want that in my life? And there are many times that I do. Most of the time, I think. But there are moments in which I try to separate myself from God. And I believe that's the same with all of you here and those watching at home. What would it mean for you today to say, I'm going to have to become a fully devoted follower of Christ because I am completely dependent upon God. I have my dedication for God that goes to the very core of my being. Nothing is going to separate that. Nothing is going to separate me from the love of Christ. So we have the act, prayer is an act of dependence, of dedication, of dependence. The, the second thing that I'm thinking about as I'm thinking about the power of prayer is, is that prayer is an act of communication. Prayer is an act of communication. Communication is probably uh, the, um, uh, the thing that causes most of the trouble in life today is communication. Now, when you saw Perry bring out this, uh, this paper uh, you got all excited because you knew that I was going to be drawing today, and you know how well I draw. So, uh, and, and in fact, you've, some of you, most of you, may have actually seen the, this illustration before. But let me just share with you uh, kind of how I can describe communication. And there's, there's the ideal communication, uh, which simply says that I have person A and person B, and this is why I went to seminary for five years, 
And, and so person A communicates to person B a message. Person B takes it and does what we call interpretation of that message based on uh, life experience or based on uh, that information. Person B receives it, interprets that message, and communicates the appropriate response back to person A. And this is, this is what we hope for in our lives. Now, I know, again, I say, uh, 930 people all communicate this way. But uh, there, there's also person A and person B. And person A communicates, and person B hears the message, interprets the message, and says, well, if that's the way you feel, then I'm getting the H out of here, right? But none of you have ever done that. Uh, yesterday afternoon, uh, uh, I was flying home from spending a couple days in Fort Wayne, Indiana. I was um, performing my cousin's uh, funeral up there, and... Um, uh, we were, I was uh, at the uh, airport in Fort Wayne, and I was um, uh, sitting there waiting for uh, my flight. And um, uh, there's a family that comes up, and uh, you could see as this uh, mother and father and two children, uh, ages, you know, probably six or five years of age, and, and uh, uh, you could hear them coming uh, from a distance. Um, the, the four words, uh, four-letter words that were being expressed by the parents to each other in the presence of their children, uh, it, it, it looks something like this, and there was an explosion taking place right here. Now, I could, uh, some of you who have been in counseling with me know that I can diagram lots of different kinds of conversations. Uh, but, but the issue is, how do you communicate uh, with each other? How do you communicate with God? Uh, back in um, late March, I had the privilege of uh, going back to Cuba where I grew up. And, and in fact, I'm going to be going there again in, uh, um, I think, um, a week from Monday. And, and uh, I always like to take people uh, that go with me uh, to see history written in a position different than what we know from the United States perspective. And so I take people to the, uh, to the Plaza of the Revolution, then I take them to the Museum of the Revolution. And in the museum, uh, there uh, speaks history uh, from the Cuban perspective. And this history um, uh, talks about all the things that were taking place during the Missile Crisis. Uh, many of us uh, were alive back then in 1962 uh, when um, um, the premier of Russia, uh, Khrushchev, uh, was putting missiles into Cuba and President Kennedy, uh, there was tension uh, with our president and uh, that's when the embargo started and that's when we almost went to war. I remember as a kid um, uh, practicing drills uh, that you had to go under your desk if the siren goes um, because there might be missiles going off, and I've always wondered, that, that was really smart. Uh, but anyways, so, so uh, while, while this time when I was walking around, I, I went into this one little corner, and they had a picture, uh, a color picture of, um, uh, of President, two, two pictures side by side. One was of, of, um, of Premier Khrushchev's uh, office and his desk, and there was a red phone on it, and the other was 
President Kennedy's desk, and they had placed a red phone there. And the purpose for that was that when things became more tense, that they would pick up the red phone and speak directly to one another. Here's my question for you. Thinking about that illustration, when you think about your relationship with God and your communication with God, is your communication with God only when there is a crisis and therefore you have a red phone connection with God? And so the only time that you ever talk to God is through this communication. Is that, is that what happens? Only during a time of crisis? Or, or what would happen in your life and in my life if we decided we're going to have a full dependence on God, devotion with God, dedication with God? Just what would happen if we decide that we're going to communicate with God uh, with integrity and with honesty and have communication more like this where we send a message to God God interprets that message and God responds to that message. Or God is speaking because we're not doing all the talking and we listen to the message from God, we interpret it, and we live our lives that way. How is your communication with God? Is it only through a red phone, crisis time? Or is it every day and every hour of every day? Look at this passage of Scripture. I I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything I've learned from my father. I've made known unto you. Now listen, this is the key. You didn't choose me, but I chose you to go and bear fruit that will last. Then the father will give you whatever you ask in my name. God chose you. God has chosen you, and God wants to bless you. Which leads us to the third thought that I have about prayer today. That prayer is an act of supplication. That prayer is an act of request. So let me take you back to the beginning of, my, of this sermon time. I ask you to think about making a request of God. Place that now right in, the, right in front of you as I lead you in this next part. What is that request? What is that request that you've made known to God? Because he, he, here is what I know. Look at, this, look at this text. Don't worry about anything but in everything. With your prayers and your supplications, make your request known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. With your prayers and your supplications. What are you requesting from God? I'm reminded of the old story about a guy who dies and goes to heaven, and when he gets to the gates of heaven, St. Peter's there to welcome him, and and St. Peter says, well, hey, listen, I've got some time. Why don't I give you a tour of heaven? So they start walking around heaven, and they're walking down the gold path roads. I don't know what heaven looks like, but I know it's better than here. And so they're walking around, and and this guy who looks, looks over at a distance, and he sees these very large uh, cabins, uh, like warehouses, and, and, he, and he says, what, what's over there? And St. Peter says, well, here, come on, let me take you over there. So uh, St. Peter takes him over there, and they, and they get near, and this guy says, well, tell me, just before we get there, what, what's in there? And the guy says, just wait a second. So Peter, Peter says, go, come on, let's go inside. And so they go inside uh, these very large warehouses, and, and, and there are all these things. 
all these blessings. And on every single one of those blessings, there is a tag. And the tag simply reads, never asked for. What are those things in your life? What are those requests in your life? What are those burdens in your life? What are those heartaches in your life? What are those moments of despair and hopelessness that you are asking God to bless you with peace that you've never asked God for? One of my uh, favorite old British pastors, uh, C.H. Spurgeon, says this, God never shuts his storehouses until you shut your mouths. So let me ask you again, what is it that is your request of God right now? What is it that you really need God to, to do in your life? What is that sense of, uh, of, of emptiness or that sense of hopelessness or that sense of, of wondering uh, about what your future holds. And God is simply saying, I want to bless you. I don't want you to wander around in the wilderness by yourself. I don't want you to be uh, alienated or isolated from me. I want you to be intimate with me. So what is it that you need in your life right now? What is your supplication, your request? Health? Some of you are facing some real uh, uh, difficulties financially. Some of you are dealing with issues of employment. Some of you are dealing with issues of uh, of relationships that have been broken. And God is simply saying, simply ask. And so I take you back to Luke 11, verse 1. And Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he had finished praying, one of the disciples came to him and said, Lord, Teach us to pray. And the disciples knew that through prayer that everything else that Jesus did was based on his prayer life. And that's also true for us. Let me just say to the band, we're not going to play to the end. Let me just close this out here. God has a desire to sit in your presence. It's not a rhetorical question of what would you do or what would you ask for if you could have a meeting with God this afternoon at 2 o'clock. The reality is you can. God is available. And the only question really is, are you available? Amen? Amen. So may the peace of Christ, who knows you, loves you, cares for you, may you go in the presence and in the love of God this day. Amen? Amen. Amen.